0: If you had to guess what brands look for when deciding what creators to partner with, what would you say are the most important things? Sometimes the brand perspective on partnerships can feel like somewhat of a mystery. As a creator, you have certain stats that you look at to determine if your content is performing well and you're strengthening your relationship with your audience, but does that align with what brands are looking at? You don't always know why they will or won't work with you or how they measure if a campaign is successful and want to develop a long-term partnership with you. If you've ever listened to this podcast before or tuned into one of my TikTok lives, there's a pretty good chance that you know I use the anti-pitch method. I develop relationships with brands that lead to long-term partnerships. And when you do this, you get a stronger understanding of what success means to that brand. And then you use that information to strengthen those relationships and land deals that go beyond one post. But what about those brand partnerships that you're starting for the first time? How do brands view stats for partnerships? I'm Kristen Buscan. I've been a full-time creator for over three years and have brought in over 350000 from sponsored posts and content creation collaborations with brands so far. Social Scoop is the podcast where we teach you, the entrepreneurial creator, to turn your online influence into a profitable, self-sustaining business. Today, we're here with the inside scoop on how brands are measuring influencer performance. Labeled the leading voice in the intersection of marketing and technologies by Forbes, Keith Bendez runs marketing and strategies for Linkia, a leading influencer marketing platform, working with the world's largest brands to execute integrated influencer marketing strategies strategies. He has led strategy across hundreds of influencer campaigns on behalf of large brands in industries like consumer goods, health and wellness, financial services, and more. With his experience, he was able to share what brands are actually looking for when they work with influencers. Stop spending all of your time wondering if your numbers are good enough for brands and just listen to the rest of this episode instead. This, my best BFF, is Social Scoop. Hello, my friends, and welcome to episode 104 of Social Scoop Podcast. My name is Kristen, and as always, I'm so excited that you're here. First, things first there are new threads updates and at this point I feel like threads was really popping off the first few days it's definitely slowed down a little bit I am one of those people who's definitely still using the platform and I really love it so far but there are a few things that they're actually working on adding or integrating into the app in the future so right now their key points of focus are adding a following feed and edit button post search hashtags voice notes video and photo tagging and fast check markers. They're also going to be launching a desktop app for threads and adding branded content tags and tools. Some of these things I think are going to be really great. And I love the addition to the app. However, at the same time, I kind of love it without hashtags and without like an edit button. It just feels like a little bit more unhinged. Again, this word that we've been kind of using to describe threads. And so I do wish that it would just continue on like that. But obviously, again, you know, threads is a business thread is a part of Meta's business. And so I can only imagine like what they have planned to actually help them monetize and and make it a little bit less unhinged because they have to have some control over everything, obviously. TikTok is also testing an option to allow you to download your clips without a watermark. So the option will appear for users in the more options menu within the video uploading flow. Think the good Lord above, guys. We needed this so bad. (laughs) I have... Have been so frustrated because I had it for like five seconds and then it went away. And I was like, no, because it was so awesome to have that option to download your clips. I love editing in TikTok. I will edit in places like InShot or CapCut. That's fine. But I really prefer doing it in TikTok. And so I was so sad when this went away for me. But hopefully, it is going to be coming back for all of us. We'll have to wait and see. TikTok is also testing the ability to comment on videos with a photo. So you would be able to take a photo from your camera roll or take an actual photo and leave a comment that includes um that photo on anyone's tiktok video could be dangerous honestly (laughs) instagram is working on a new story sharing option which is called friends story and i'll be honest there are not much details out there at this point but here's my guess i wonder if this is an option that would essentially share your story to only your mutuals Um, like you would share it to just people that you follow and they follow you back. My other guess is that you would somehow be able to share your story on a friend's story. Uh, Like if you were to do a takeover for a brand, for example, like you'd be able to, you know, with their approval, share on their stories as well. I don't know, those are my two guesses, but once I have more information, I will let you know if it's either of those options or if I was just really far off with both of them. (laughs) Instagram is also adding a new threads icon onto Instagram profiles. So it will appear in the top right hand corner. I don't know if this will exactly take people to your threads profile or just threads in general. I have to assume that it would be to your threads profile, but you would also be able to turn off this shortcut option if you would like as well. Obviously, as someone who's using threads pretty actively, I do really like the idea of having it there so that it would be easy to translate people from my Instagram over to threads. But I can understand if you're someone who like got on it and are not really excited and aren't really updating it, you probably don't really want to send people off of your Instagram to an app that you're not really using. So I get that. So you will be able to turn that option off. Understanding how brands view stats for partnerships is honestly confusing as heck. So I was really, really excited to go through this topic with someone who has so much information on it. So I'm really excited to present the rest of this episode to you guys. Let me know what you think. As always, my DMs are always open and let's get into it. Sometimes for me as a creator, when I work with a brand and my post doesn't perform as well as I would like it to, I feel horrible and I am like, what can I do to make these brands happier? It's, it's kind of like a, a big stressor for me as I know it is a lot of other creators. So I'm excited to talk today about all of the things that brands are actually looking at on the other side of our partnerships. So Keith, thank you so much for being here with us to talk about this.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me. It's the hottest topic in in creator and influencer marketing is how to measure effectively and do good work. So happy to talk. Yeah.
0: And it's, uh, as we were kind of talking about before we hit record, a lot of the times as creators, we don't get the opportunity to kind of hear from the other side what is actually important. So I am going to pick your brain very hard today. (laughs) So I apologize in advance. Um, But can you, before we dive into everything, kind of give us a rundown of who you are and what you do?
1: Sure. So Keith Bendis, I run marketing and strategy here at Linkia. Linkia is one of the largest influencer companies for enterprise brands. So if you think of the largest brands in the world, um, there's a few big companies that do most of their influencer activations, Linkia being one of them. I come from the brand side. So I worked at Unilever for a long time worked on their beauty care brands, worked on their foods brands, worked on their ice cream brands, went to the agency side, spent a good chunk of time on the agency side. And while I was there, saw all of the attention and money and and volume going to this influencer creator economy. And so I spoke to a few different companies, landed here at Linkia, Um, but it's been a boom. I got here in 2019, I think 2020, 2021 were really the mass boom years and it's, it's definitely the hottest space in marketing, that's for sure.
0: Yeah, I can imagine what it's been like uh, from your perspective going from, you know, pre-2019-2020 to what it's like now because it's true it has definitely grown so much and I feel like things are just so different even from a creator perspective from, you know, what it's been like pre-COVID and pre kind of everyone leaving their jobs and having all this time on their hand to become creators. Um so, I want to kind of dive in today about into all of the things that creators can kind of think about when they are creating content for brands, when it comes to performance, because as I was mentioning before, I think it's something that we all kind of have a little bit of like almost performance anxiety about. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah, there's there. It's interesting. There's two obvious areas that every brand is paying attention to and where I think has to have a a large amount of focus. And I think we should start there and dive into those. And then there's these ancillary things, which maybe creators aren't thinking of, but could be a standout thing they could be doing to differentiate themselves in programs. And we can get to those too. But the two core areas are really organic performance and media performance. And those two, every brand has expectations around those two. I rarely see an influencer activation these days that doesn't have a media component. Mm-hmm. But those are different goals. So on the organic side, what the brand is looking at is both good content, so just quality content, yeah. and then engaging content with the organic audience that the influencer has. From a quality content perspective, I think it just depends on what quality looks like and i think as a creator you need to make sure you understand what quality looks like if you're not getting right. sample videos or images in a brief that says we as a brand love this it's really hard for you to just guess what they think is good quality and quality to some means high production value to others it means trendy fun social work which isn't always high production value so you really yeah. need to know what quality means i think that's where it start is quality of content And then from an organic engagement perspective, a lot of what we're looking at is what your average is from an engagement rate across your posts.
0: And then how does
1: this perform against your average? Because we're really interested in knowing what is popping, what is really resonating amongst audiences. And so if you, Kristen, as an example, had an average engagement rate of 2% and -hmm. I had an average engagement rate of 9%. And on this campaign paid campaign you got a five percent engagement rate, and i got a six percent engagement rate i'd argue you did much better than i did even though my raw engagement rate is higher than you you Mm. performed significantly better than your average and that tells me something about this popped with your audiences and so we're constantly looking at what is popping what is not and my biggest advice to influencers and creators is do not just take a brief and if you feel like it's not going to be highly engaging Don't just execute against the brief. We sometimes need to do a one size brief fits all because we can't create 50 different briefs for 50 different influencers. But that doesn't mean we don't want you to come back and say, hey, I understand what you want to do. I know what good looks like for you. I actually think if I do X, Y, Z instead of exactly what's in this brief, I think I'm going to get way better performance. I love hearing that. And it's go, go run with that. Just keep in mind like (laughs) what you can't say legally in the FTC and all that stuff. Yes. But just run with your idea because you know what's going to be authentic and resonate. So that's organically what the two key things are, quality. And then just Mm -hmm. don't forget about the media side because these days with the algorithm changes and how the platforms are changing, a lot of brands are deprioritizing organic reach and they're saying, you know what, if if the content does really well in media, and the person's really authentic in how they deliver it and they're trustworthy and they have an expertise in this category or topic, I can get the reach and the engagement in paid. So it's they need right. the rights to do that. But also, what works in paid is a little bit different than what works in organic. And so, even as a creator and an influencer, thinking about how am I turning over these assets in a way that they're going to perform well and paid, because even if worst case, it flops with my organic audience or I'm disappointed in it. If it does really well and paid, the brand is going to be very happy with you as a partner because you're creating stuff that has long legs for them. So those are the two key things, organic and then paid that I think every creator just needs to pay attention to.
0: Yeah. And you bring up so many good points here, but one question that comes to the top of my head with the organic portion, and that I know a lot of creators listening are probably asking themselves is how do you guys measure engagement typically? Like a lot of the times when I have conversations with creators, they're like, Oh, you know, like, how do I figure out my engagement rate? Uh, Do I use like this calculator? And we know how we can like get scrappy and figure out what it looks like. But from a brand's perspective, what do you consider when looking at engagement?
1: So, as a whole, I think engagement rate is the most important thing to most brands, Mm -hmm. is just of the percentage of sometimes it's followers, sometimes it's views, depending on platform and type of content, you know, how many you're engaging. But I think it goes beyond that. It goes into like, what's the type of engagement? Is this, brand relevant engagement? Or is this just, I love your outfit kind of engagement? (laughs) There's a big difference between like, wow, thank you for educating me. Like I didn't know that about, you know, cures for headaches or financial literacy or whatever it is versus love your red shirt kind of thing. So I think it's quality of engagement, it's engagement rate. uh, And then sometimes just even to take your pressure off of yourself to some extent, is we're not always looking at things at an individual creator basis. It's the aggregate of the campaign too, of how it's performing. And we're looking at that more often than anything else. So I think part of it is also adding to the narrative of how this performs. So if you have good looking content, as an example, you might satisfy a need in the campaign where even if your engagement was low, someone else might've had great engagement, but like, wow, you had way better quality of right. content. And that is a need on this campaign. So you want to do everything well. Of course, I get that as a creator. But sometimes it's like, not all of it has to be perfect in every bucket. Just some yeah. things have to be great. You might drive a lot of traffic. Your engagement rate might be low, but you might have had a hot traffic driving to the landing page that you're promoting. Or you yeah. might have had a, a question or a poll and got really interesting stats and data from that poll. Even if you're, you think my engagement rate was lower in this post, there's so many areas. My advice is always deliver in so many areas that even if one is lower than you might like, the volume of, of value you delivered to the right. brand is high in, in an aggregate.
0: Yeah, that's a really great point. And I think it's something that I try and remind the creators that I work with of as often as I can is that not every campaign is looking for Performance in the way of engagement. You know, like some campaigns, their sole purpose is to just get a bunch of really great content. And they're not even so much looking at the engagement. They just want to make sure they have really, really great content that they can repurpose again for things like paid ads or on their social media profiles, whatever it is. And so when it comes to kind of figuring out a campaign goal in that way, you know, is it brand awareness? Is it sales? Is it content? How can a creator figure that out? Like, is it as simple as asking or is that something that we should, again, kind of just try and deliver on all fronts and and see what happens? How does that work?
1: It's such a good question. And listen, every brand wants it all. And so part of my job and the job of our companies is to make sure a common thing I say with brands is you can have several goals, but you can only have one North Star. And we need to really understand what that North Star is. Is it awareness? Is it volume of quality content? Is it traffic to a web page? Is it conversions? What is it? Because if you're a good creator and influencer, you should be optimizing towards that thing. Now, let's say it is awareness. There's just a reality of life that some awareness has higher value than other awareness. If you have decent awareness and you drive good engagement and you drive good clicks, like... Your down funnel performance is also better. So there's a weighting. The brand might say, I really want engagement. But then you have higher engagement rate than the other person. But they have good engagement and they have the clicks. And it's like, well, they kind of had both. So (laughs) what I would say is you know what you do best. You have a following for a reason. Don't sacrifice that reason for results because you'll just lose everything. Double down on the reason you Mm -hmm. have a following. Make sure that is properly communicated to your partner or brand. And, and let them say, yes, like I'm glad you pointed out this is the thing you do best. Yes. And I want you on this program because, again, the reason I do creator programs is not to have one or two people. It's to have a diverse group of people. If you could do this one thing really well, that satisfies an important roster spot. I might now need less people to do that thing really well in the ecosystem and other people I might tap for other things. So I think just do what you could do really well and know what you do really well. And then hold your brands and your partners accountable. Like I said, brands want it all. They literally want everything. (laughs) And I think you have to, we, it's our job and creators' jobs to be very honest with them of this is what I can realistically deliver.
0: Yeah, that is such an important point and again something I try and remind creators of often is you have to be a 50/50 partner. You can't let the brands just say what what is right and then that's that's the end of it. You know, like especially in that situation where for example, I've had creators who are like, "Oh, I'm working with this brand and they sent me a script and the script is horrible. Like my audience is going to be cringing the whole time." And you don't just record that, you know, like you have to remember, this is a 50 50 partnership, and that it actually is more helpful. Like you said, you love hearing that from a creator who is open to saying, thank you for sending me this script. However, I do not see my audience responding well to this, like, I would like to make these changes. And again, I think it's scary for a lot of creators, because they don't want to like, almost like ruffle feathers and and kind of stand up to brands. But I think you have to put it into perspective of you're actually doing them a favor. They're going to be, you know, getting more bang for their buck in in a way, you know, looking at the fact that the way you want to present it may be different, but it may be more effective that way.
1: Exactly. This is no different than hiring a talented employee. I don't hire talented people so that I could tell them what they need to do. I hire them so they could tell me what they need to do. Now I can't just yeah. not give them any direction. Like I have to start with something. But yeah. I love nothing more than when someone pushes back of all my goals and all my like, hey, I think we should do it this way. You hired me because I know better. Yeah. Like let me let me tell you and direct you. We have to give you direction. We have to give you a brief. We can't just. Say, do whatever you want. But we love it when creators come back with advice. And I think the hard part is if you look at heavily regulated industries, financial services, pharmaceuticals, health and wellness, Mm -hmm. most of the people who you might interact with as a creator on the brand side hate the fact that they have to give you scripts and they have to give you a do not do list that's 20 pages long. They hate that, but it's coming from somewhere, compliance legal. And so if you can give them ammo to say, I rewrote this or I, tweaked this to be perfect for my audience, perfect. You just made their job so much easier. Now they can just bring a finished document Mm -hmm. right to the compliance team, say, can you redline whatever you think is absolutely a no-go, but they did the work for you. Because again, I can't write 50 scripts for 50 creators. So I think, yeah, you could play a much bigger role than you think without ruffling. Don't be afraid to ruffle feathers. You really Mm -hmm. can't be afraid to do that.
0: Yeah, and it's it's not even ruffling feathers. It feels like it, but it really is, it's more helpful than anything else. And I think it's almost goes back to kind of creating creators feeling confident as business owners and and really understanding that their role is again to be a service provider and they're getting hired because they know what they're doing. You know, they're not getting hired because they just like take a cute picture and post it to Instagram. Okay, but like we understand that these creators actually no strategy and they know how to talk to their audience and that is that's a very valuable thing and that's exactly why they're getting hired and so it is something that I think needs to get kind of like drilled into the brains of creators a little bit more is that you are you know valuable and you're getting hired for a reason so if you need to stand up and and say things should be a little bit different for me then I don't think that that's should ever look that be looked at in a negative way
1: Yeah, you're like a full-scale publisher in your own right. I mean, it's wild (laughs) how much a creator and influencer takes on with creating content, producing, strategizing, posting, Mm -hmm. all of it. Like you're a full-scale publishing company. I think the hardest part of this conversation moving forward in general is going to be ROI. It really is as creator fees Mm -hmm. increase and the cost to brands go up, and the organic reach gets squeezed by the platforms, there is a real right. question of brands of, of what is the value in ROI in doing this. And so sometimes I think a creator might look at it as like, I'm doing all this work. This is the value of the work. You know, I'm going to charge all this money. But then you also have to have some empathy to the brand to say, if I'm doing this times 50... This might now deteriorate the point of me doing this channel in delivering a good ROI versus other things that I can do as a marketer. So there is a balance. Like I would never tell a creator to take less than what you're worth and know what you're worth. And then depending on the brand, you want me to do scripts, you want me to do three rounds of reviews, change what you're worth based on the volume of things you're being asked for, but still don't lose sight of you're in an aggregate investment. And that investment has to make sense for the brand or they just can't do it.
0: Yeah. So, out of curiosity, kind of talking a little bit more about worth and in wow. rates um, for creators, because I know this is a huge point of struggle <laughs> for every creator that I feel like I ever talked to. Um, how do you, on the other end, figure out what creator is going to get paid? What? Because you know, like that's gonna be just like a giant puzzle. I can only imagine. <laughs>
1: It's it's very difficult. I'd say we have 10 plus years of statistical data to get to like accurately depict based on following range, based on engagement rate. But the industry has changed a lot. This creator versus influencer mm-hmm. conversation is coming up more and more. And I think yeah. we're starting to use creator as a catch all term for the whole industry, even though it, they are different. There's differences there. And so the, the same following count of one person to another, if one is a straight influencer, like a lifestyle influencer, the other one is true mm-hmm. content creator, and they're creating highly produced video content, that person is going to get more money for the same following rate. So it's not just about following rate, it's not just about engagement. And there is no mathematical equation that makes it perfect. For us, it's about, we work with a lot of creators and influencers every single day with brands. It's about understanding everything they're asking for, understanding what we negotiate to, at scale to, to guess at a high level of certainty, like this is where you fall. And that's how we estimate because when we give a brand yeah. a budget and a number of influencers and deliverables, we have to have some kind of estimate based on based on projections. So sometimes if an influencer or creator asks for a lot more, it's not about trying to negotiate with us. We either don't have it because we already gave a budget estimate to the brand and a number of right. creators, or we might have to in program, you know. Lower the amount we give to someone else if this person costs more because they're a creator versus not. So there's no art and science. I know the industry is frustrated. It feels like the Wild West. If anyone could throw out any number and just get it, that's, we're trying not to do that. We're trying to use data to prove what the right. averages would say at scale. But this is what I love about the creator industry. It's, it's almost a self-existing capitalistic environment. It's supply and demand. So you could yeah. ask for as much as you want if you're in very low supply for your expertise. You're probably yeah. going to get a lot more money if you're in very high supply if you're a general lifestyle influencer in this day and age there's so many but if you're a financial expert on tiktok who gets high engagement on education finance and bank of america whoever wants to work with you there might not be as many of you as general lifestyle influencers And in there in right. even though the lifestyle influencers being like hey i have more followers and higher engagement rate you're just in much more supply as a, as a general lifestyle influencer so yeah. No no good answer to that question other than trying to use data and statistical analysis to predict averages.
0: Right, right. And you actually uh, bring up a really great point with the kind of like the lifestyle influencer example there. And I would love every creator who's listening to really take that into consideration because I think a lot of creators are afraid to this like term of niching down. Like they're afraid to, you know, get really specific about the topics that they're talking about. But I think what you mentioned here is a really great example of why getting specific about what your expertise is, is actually a very beneficial situation. You know, like I think about for me I used to post all about like general business and fashion and photography and all these different things and yes I was working with brands but now I'm able to say you know like this is my area of expertise my audience wants exactly what you have and and I, if I share it with them I know that with confidence they're going to be interested in it and it's so much more powerful to be able to say those kind of things so I think it's worth looking into the whole niche situation and really asking yourself, like what do I specialize in because then I can be a more specific uh kind of value to a brand who might be looking for someone like them.
1: A hundred percent the number of brands who ask for lifestyle influencers these days is getting close to zero, and in fact, when we mm. put people on on influencer lists a, a common thing is to lifestyle like what is the niche, what is the the angle and I think expertise in a certain area is what they're ultimately looking for and it literally could be anything and you don't have to have one expertise you could have a few areas of expertise but yes i think the general lifestyle other than a very few specific categories of brands is not what they're interested in anymore
0: Mm. i like thank you for the validation (laughs) because i feel like i've been preaching this to everyone for so long and i'm like i'm gonna cut that clip out right there and show everyone (laughs) um i want to talk
1: i mean I was just going to cool. say, think about like the, the evolution from mommy bloggers to like lifestyle Instagram influencers. Now we're getting to the experts in one column and yeah. true creators, which is just phenomenal content creators on one side. Those seem to be the two most demanded things these days.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I And I feel like even from just kind of working with a lot of other creators and helping them with negotiations. That's definitely something that I see as well. Um, I want to talk a little bit about the kind of like media category of, of performance here. Um, so this is mainly for anyone listening, kind of when brands are utilizing your content in different ways, forms of media typically paid, um, where they can, again, like use your piece of content in a paid ad on Instagram or, um, on a billboard or wherever it is. Um, so I'm curious to hear a little bit more about kind of the expectations with, paid media and content in terms of performance, like how, because we're not on the other end, like we're not the ones who are doing, you know, the targeting and all the stuff in the back end, how can we have more control over getting rehired when a lot of the kind of behind the scenes stuff is not in our control? You know what I mean? It's hard to explain. (laughs)
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Because you're not baking the buys. You're not seeing the results. It's very hard. I think, I think the most Important thing you could do is, one, understand to your earlier question, what is the point of the content? Because if the point Mm -hmm. of the content is to drive sales, what an ad unit looks like when you buy social media to drive sales is really, really different than what an ad unit looks like if you're trying to drive awareness or engagement. So really understanding that. I think it's up to the creator, but I'm a fan. If, If I'm creating content for a brand, do more content than you need you know, and bake that yeah. into your rate. Just say like, I'm going to give you some good B-roll. I might even give you like a separate cut down video that's more of a six or 15 second ad spot because they're going to do that with your content, whether you're a part of it or not. They're going to cut it yeah. down for sixes and fifteens. So I think that's important. There's principles of media, like start with the product and then do something and then end with the product, maybe loop it. Like there's certain principles that perform well in media. But at the end of the day, what, what we're looking at is as a brand, what is my average? effectiveness, efficiency in media, you know, if it's, if it's sales, it's a CPA cost per acquisition. If it's awareness, Mm -hmm. it's a CPM, a cost per million impressions. What is my average as a brand? When I just buy media, when I do my commercial and I cut it down for social, I buy media. As I start to use all this influencer content in media, does it beat those averages and if it does, mm-hmm. who's the best at beating those averages? Am I learning anything about the type of content or type of creator that beats those averages? And then how much can I scale that content in media and still beat that average? So just as an example, if a creator created content that had terrible engagement in organic and just didn't do well all around in organic, yeah. but killed it in media, I'd argue that might even be more valuable than the reverse because of how many people in media for a low cost I can bring that content
0: yeah. to. Yeah.
1: So as a creator, I think the things to keep in mind is one, what, what are the usage rights I'm willing to give a brand and how much should I charge for that? And you should never undervalue the importance of that because they're going to bring that content to everyone mm-hmm. and you should benefit from that right. So what are my usage rights? Am I giving it to a brand? And I'd say we even don't work with celebs if it's a 15 or 20 day usage right. Like usage is so important in media these days that yeah. brands don't even care how famous you are. If if you're not willing to let us use this content in media, it's so big in the impact of value. So usage Mm -hmm. rights. And then two is, again, what are best practices in ad units? We look at things like you go to TikTok's creative center. This is a public thing. You could just type it in Google look at it. It will show you the top ads by vertical, by segment, by anything, by keyword, by hashtag. Just learn a little bit about what works well in media. And even you could communicate to a brand on the back like, hey, I, I publish my content. I did this extra piece where I think you could use it in this way. That little stuff just says like you're really thinking about your total value to this partnership and not just fulfilling a signed contract agreement with the brief.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You're definitely like showing – you're showing your loyalty and how hard you're willing to work to help the brand reach their goals, which I definitely – thing goes a long way. Um, You did bring up a a good point about usage rights and how important it is. But one thing that I find a lot of brands do is that they ask for perpetual usage rights. And in my opinion, I have a very difficult time giving that up because I just don't trust any (laughs) brands. Like I don't want to be attached to anything on the internet forever. And so I typically never agree to perpetual usage rights, but for a lot of brands, that's a deal breaker. And so I'm curious to hear from your perspective, what, what do you guys typically tell brands about perpetual usage rights?
1: Here's what I'd say to this community behind closed doors, since we're probably mostly creators and not brands. What I would do is I value that very, very highly from a monetary yeah. perspective and use that as your chip to say, if we go to 12 or six months, whatever you want it to mm-hmm. be, ultimately, the rate can come down. Because then the brand has a choice to yeah. make. How much do I value this as a, as a perpetuity? I think a lot of the things we offer brands when we do influencer campaigns is a limited right, whether that's 12 months. I think a lot, most of our contracts are 12 months, sometimes depending on size of influencer, six months, could even be three if it's, if it's large enough, but mm-hmm. perpetuity when posting so you don't have to scour the web as a brand when you're working with 100 – because that's a huge concern they have. I work with all these people that I somehow have to track the dates that I have to take all this content down. Now, media right. is easy. It's just you can't buy media after this expiration date. Yeah. You can't buy new media. But if I put it on my website or I put it on my own social, it's too much mm. work to pull it down. So if you don't agree to that, they might say, I just – there's no way I can be doing this at scale. So right. one thing we think about is – publishing within a time period with rights for perpetuity in the place it was published but mm-hmm. no new usage of it after that date ends.
0: Right. Yeah, I it's just so difficult given like I think about everything in the last couple of years that we've gone through as a country and I'm I'm like I just don't know that I want to be attached to any brand on the internet forever and and typically what I do is You know, I will say, you know, I'm happy to offer the organic. It's typically like perpetual organic usage that I see. And I'll say, I'll give you, you know, six months or 12 months organic usage with the option to renew. But I just want the option after the six or 12 months to say, "Mm, I don't really love what you guys are doing. I need to, I need to pull out. Um, And I think that's within every creator's right. So it is very important to think about, you know, is this a brand that you're willing to be attached to forever. You just never know. Exactly. You're getting married to them (laughs) and no divorces.
1: And they they say the same things on the reverse, right? So it has to be an equal and equitable relationship. They're constantly asking, well, how do I control if this person does something we don't agree with after the relationship ends? It's like, you have to, that goes both ways, right? What if you do Mm -hmm. something that we don't agree (laughs) with? So I think just making sure everything, just like a mutual NDA versus a one-way NDA, just make sure everything is mutual so that both parties feel good about it. And listen, there's a difference between I'm one of 20, 30, 50, 100 influencers in a campaign versus I'm in a deep partnership with a brand. There's a very big difference between those two things. And when you're in a deep partnership with a brand, there's much more you can do and negotiate and go back and forth with. Sometimes if you're in one of 30, 50, 100, the, the party doing it can't be that it just it would never work if we're doing those kind of negotiations on every individual point so sometimes it is true that thing we send with the contract points if you don't agree with them we might just have to move on because we don't have the time and the resourcing to do that at scale so you have to know what you are too like what am i in this partnership am i one of many in a campaign or is this a deeper partnership
0: Right, right, right. Um, and I I just lastly want to go over uh, one point that I hear from a lot of creators that I'd love your perspective on is raw video. So a lot of my creators who are especially doing like more of just the content creation, a lot of brands ask for the raw video. Um, and so that is something that I think a lot of creators are confused. What do I charge for raw video? Because it's a number that I feel like everyone just kind of makes up and sees what happens. Uh, So I'm curious to hear a little bit more from your perspective about that.
1: So let me, we've heard this in a few different contexts of why raw video, in your mind, raw video being just no overlays, no music, that kind of stuff. So a big reason why we need that is when it gets put into media, there's a lot of potential issues with overlays or music that doesn't have the rights to that platform or Mm -hmm. the longevity of those rights. And then if you can't take those out, it's really hard to do anything with it. So I I don't know. Again, I don't want to say don't charge for something. I think I'd bake that into usage. It's just you have to assume that if you're giving somebody usage rights, it's not just to promote it on the platform. So if you're a TikTok influencer, you give me a TikTok video and I'm doing media, I might want to put that or I 99% probably want to put that on Instagram. I might want to put it on my website. I might want to syndicate it to retail media buys. And the overlays and the music isn't going to work in a lot of those places. So we need the raw asset or else we probably can't even use your content in some of the media we're doing. So I think I would just think of it holistically of, hey... It's not about me negotiating points. I want this to be the most successful campaign it could be. I think if I do an XYZ, you're going to get immense amount of value. And that's my recommendation as the expert creator to you. And then I'm pricing right. it as such. And if you want to strip back some of those things and not go all in with my recommendation, like we can we can play with the cost of what this partnership yeah. is. But I'd almost start with, I, I want to do the best work. Here's what package looks like the best, in my opinion, based yeah. on the brief. And here's the cost of that best work.
0: Right. Yeah. yeah, I love that. Um, Keith, thank you so much for being here and answering all these questions. It definitely, you know, pulls back the, the film on what this actually looks like behind the scenes, because I feel like, again, for a lot of creators, we're just like, we don't know what these brands want. We're just going to try something and see what happens. So it was great to hear your input today. I appreciate it.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me on. You have you all have much greater voices than I think you realize. And mm-hmm. a, a deeper ability to partner with brands, even in the polls you use and the data you collect and the things you're learning. And how about just your own opinion of your product experience? Like communicate that. Hey, just wanted yeah. you to know here's the experience I have with your product versus all the others, because I'm an expert in this space. Like you just you have so much built-up value. And I think too many creators are silent and think this is just supposed to be, I sign the contract, I post and I give it yep. to you. The more engagement you have, honestly, the, the better it will be. And every brand in every campaign, I kid you not, will say, are there any creators from this that did really well that we want to keep working with? Like they always want to keep working with strong performing right, people. Right. And performance isn't always quant. Sometimes it's experience and qualitative and that kind of stuff.
0: Yes. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for sharing everything. And for everyone listening, we will see you guys next week.